Gobblers and cobblers, Chapex and Igers, you are now tuned in to the Disney Holic Show. Hello and welcome to the Disney Holic Show. That's Mike TV. And that's Jen Diz. Today we have a lot to be thankful for. We will gush over our new CEO. We dive into the Thanksgiving holiday and fly over on Walt's plane to redesign D23. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, there's a lot to talk about. Um, <laughs> first of all, Jen, I'm jumping on this recording with you after being up until like 6 a.m. trying to get a Space 220 reservation for January. <laughs> uh, and then I slept a whole bunch, so I'm just a little bit discombobulated, but it's perfect because we have a discombobulated type of episode with lots of things to talk about. We certainly do. And first off is Disney news. And there is one thing that is very top of mind. However, we're going to do the other stuff that now seems quite boring. First off, we have the Magic Keys. They were re-released. I just thought this would be fun to bring up. Um, Magic Keys were re-released for sale for the first time since they were closed off back in, I think, August of last year. Um, so it's been a little over a year, and I just wanted to chat real quick and see, like, what does this mean? Why did they re-release them? Do we know? Um, what do you think? Stuff like that. So what are your ideas on that? I think this is still uh, this is still part of, like, the Chapek era in which uh, they always look at supply and demand, and they probably had extra inventory that they could... They felt comfortable selling through, but it sold, th- it sold through in like a few hours, less than a day. It's gone already. It was very right? quick. They did have some of them sell. I think all of them sold out within just over 24 hours. Like they had the Inspire key left for a while, like the most expensive one. Wow. <laughs> they had some extras hanging out that because let's say they had 500 to sell. They probably made 300 of those, the expensive ones, right? So they only let right. a certain amount of people in on the, the lower tiered ones. I also hope it um, means a good sign for Disney World people that the annual passes yes. will open back up for, for first time sales. Even if it's right. just a day, you know, we can jump on it. I know. I am very excited for that. Um, I do feel is it is kind of convenient that it was right after. It's been like a little gap of time from when the Magic Keys went on sale. And so I feel like maybe a lot of people didn't renew. So I'm very curious to see those stats. I wonder if they'll share them at like the next earnings call. Um, I'm just curious to see if a lot of people actually dropped out like they said they were going to. I'd be very curious. I didn't think many people were going to. So it's kind of interesting to hear about. Um, But you're right. They did sell out very fast. So obviously not too many available regardless so it didn't probably affect much of our experience as far as getting reservations and whatnot which i know were some people's worries when they saw these new keys go on sale but we'll have to see well i still have my pass through january so luckily this didn't really affect me because you couldn't renew that early for example uh but there are new things coming up next year that people probably want a magic key for, and that is Toontown 
is finally going to be opening. They announced it for March 8th of 2023. So this spring, we will be able to walk back into a refurbished city of the home of Mickey and Pals. We always talk like his job. He's an actor. And so him and Minnie (laughs) are going to be in a movie at this brand new El Capitoon Theater, which I have been wearing that shirt from D23 Expo. I've worn it a couple times. (laughs) <laughs> um, and I just think it's the cutest, black and gold, easy to wear. It also, is cute. that means there is another ride that I just mentioned we're waiting for. But what do you know about Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway? Yeah, so Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway is opening for the 100th anniversary. So the attraction itself, which resides in Toontown, will actually be opened as of January 27th, which is the launch date of that 100th anniversary. Um, it's Walt just kind of interesting. Company to... 100 anniversary. Yes. Yeah. What did I say? Just regular. I, you know, there might be someone out there that oh, thinks I didn't Runaway clarify. Railway yes. is celebrating 100 <laughs> years, but I don't. 100 years of Mickey and Minnie's <laughs> Runaway Railway. Just kidding. Not even, what, like two, three years in? Right. Like, we're... Um, so, yeah. So, will be interesting to see how they navigate that um, during the Toontown construction. However, it seems like it'll pretty almost. Like a month and change after that, it's going to be opening. So they'll probably be pretty done. Maybe some paint going on and some finishing touches. But um, supposedly they're going to have a type of wall tunnel, which we've seen many times in many parks, um, guiding you straight from the, the entrance of Toontown into the attraction. So until March 8th, we won't be able to see the rest of Toontown, but you can go to the and new they attraction created, in the meantime. We saw at the expo, and you could see it on some of the construction walls now, at Disneyland, they the Imagineers created this whole cast of characters that are rebuilding Toontown. There's like the Three Little Pigs construction crew. And so let's hope that tunnel is like cute and themed, even if it's for just a couple of months. I think that would be cool. Right, right. Uh, there's also other new uh, characters coming to the parks from uh, Galaxy Planet? Galaxy Far, Far Away. <laughs> um, and that is in the form of the Mandalorian and Grogu, a.k.a. Baby Yoda and Din Djarin. Is that his name? Did I get it? Yeah, Din Djarin. D- yep. I always mix it up with the girl from Game of Thrones. What's her name? Oh, uh, Khaleesi? <laughs> oh, maybe not. Maybe the, the guy? Well, one she has like guys. a thousand names, remember? I don't know which one. <laughs> what is Peter Dinklage's name? Oh, Tyrion. I don't know what I'm mixing up with. Somebody. Somebody. It sounds like it fits, though, right? Dinjarin. It sounds like it could be anything. Yeah. Oh, wait. (laughs) The guy with many faces in Game of Thrones. The one who literally was recast, and he was the the boy toy of Daenerys. Oh, is that why? Daenerys is the Daenerys. There it is. Daenerys. There it is. Okay, got it. Yep. We found it. We found it. What a journey that was. Um, yeah, so it was kind of funny with this um, introduction of Mando and Grogu because it, they came out on uh, Mickey and Minnie's birthday and they totally stole the spotlight from them. <laughs> like you could not, I was just scrolling through Instagram and every single like page, post, story was all of them and they are so cute. Have you seen the videos? I don't think so. Oh my god. Adorable. Like Grogu is a living, breathing Grogu, like, you know, too, as much as Disney can possibly muster. But it's very cute. He even has the little white fuzz on his head. We did see him at the D23 Expo, but just like seeing it 
in play yeah. in the parks now. Is so like they're walk around and not a meet and greet. Is that true? There, yes. Okay, yep. which I think works for Batu. I'm glad. I'm glad they did that. Right. I was just thinking about because he's in a little pouch, right? He's in Mando's like sling bag thing, and I've just like they they were talking about how like technical it is and how fragile it can be. So I'm like, what, how do they get kids to like not run up and grab at him like the whole time? <laughs> so. Interesting, but very, very cute. And uh, you know Mando what? looks amazing it as well. Also works really well, and it's not technologically advanced, is uh, the characters on Buena Vista Street in California Adventure, there's a woman who holds a pet, <laughs> but it's just her arm as a puppet. Yeah. <laughs> and it works perfectly fine. Like sometimes just old school illusions still work. Well. Right. <laughs> but you couldn't do that with Grogu. It's way down too low and more complicated. Do you imagine him as a puppet? I mean, actually, I think it'd be cute. I wouldn't I hate it. Yeah, I wouldn't hate it. He's he's cute. So like, cute goes in with funny, right? And that's <laughs> Those why two go together complete well. weird tangent and spooky past Halloween. But I've been watching the Chucky series on USA slash Sci Fi slash Peacock, um, Chucky the doll, and I was trying to figure out. This is so corny, so campy. The acting is purposely bad but why do i like it so much and i realize it's because of the visual effects everything is practical and i watch this behind the scenes there's like a dozen people controlling this one chucky puppet oh and my god there's some scenes when there's like 20 chuckies because that's part of the storyline it's a whole other talk but um i think that's what i love about it you could tell he's there on set interacting with these human beings like the old things like labyrinth and dark crystal and stuff I love right it. love it. right so lots of fun stuff coming to the parks. And then we get to our big <laughs> news, which hit on Sunday evening, right around like dinner time for most people on the West Coast. And I remember I was in a chat with Laura, Jessica, and Joy. Shout out, you guys. And Laura broke the news. She's like, hey, did you see that? Chapek is out and Iger's in. And I'm like, yeah, right. Zero percent chance, right? I was like, what do you mean? Just on a random Sunday night? And sure enough, she was totally right. And it was then just exploded everywhere in the Disney community. And that's right. So yeah. Chapek is no longer the CEO of the Walt Disney Company. And Iger, Bob Iger, who we all know and love, is back as CEO for two years. So not forever however we've talked him into staying longer before right right so, they have renewed him several times in his first stint <laughs> as ceo but let's get into all the tea so last night or sunday night actually it was wild because you sent me the message for a second i thought it was a prank but i i googled it too See? fast and i was like oh my god she's not lying and then it went beyond the disney community because jerry started yelling did you hear about this right and i'm like what and then, um, and then I was glued to YouTube and and Instagram, watching everybody's lives talk about this, and I, including not just fans, but like MSNBC and CNBC and all these people who watch the stock market. And then um, all through Monday morning, I was still glued to the TV to see what happened <laughs> when the opening bell at about 9.30 a.m. Eastern time is when that happens, I believe, for the stock market. So I'm watching like Jim Cramer and all these people like talk about it. 
and everyone is like so excited you could see it in their faces when they're talking about this and whether it's because the magic is coming back or the shareholders are going to be happy those are both good things and it's cool and it's cool and jim kramer had a um, pretty scathing episode on his um, investor episode, uh, tv show i think last week saying should bob Chapek be fired like it was very direct and this is one of the top you know he's like the anderson cooper of of money tv shows or whatever right so that that's like a punch in the gut if you're a Chapek and you heard that because he probably watches that stuff so right okay so i found out how some of this went down now my sources here are yes i've been wanting to know this these non-biased news channels, but I also still watch ABC News uh, Live 24-7. They have a channel, and they were so giddy. It was like 9 o'clock, and they said, hey, just so you know, disclaimer, ABC's owned by Disney, our parent company, and guess what? We have a new CEO back. <laughs> like, they're excited to talk about this on their morning news segment because uh, that's their boss boss's boss. So crazy. Uh, but the way it supposedly went down is Friday evening the friday before the weekend started right this is also the friday before thanksgiving before holidays which you know you and i are in hr and we think about that stuff before we fire yeah absolutely what do we do uh but the board of directors or whoever represents them called bob chapek on friday said you're no longer employed our lawyers with will call your lawyers goodbye so he didn't get to send an email to the company there was no resignation party he didn't do and he didn't get to even check his emails. Apparently, he was just cut off from everything. Wow. And then they followed that phone call with a call to Bob Iger to confirm, are you ready to start Monday morning? So, so they had Bob, him in the waiting. Yeah, right. There's no way he like, could decide right. that over the weekend. So he must have been. Wow. I don't know who those secret keepers are who have been behind the scenes getting. Iger yeah, talked. that's what I want to know. Right. Like, how long has this been talked about? What's going on? Also, it's quite interesting because I feel like most of the news that came out on Sunday night were saying that Bob Chapek stepped down. Yes. But you're telling me he got straight fired. Yeah, the tea is being spilt. And <laughs> another thing we know from our day jobs is usually when it's an executive we will craft a, a narrative that says they step down. It just makes it easier on the public, especially if you're a publicly traded company, and it makes the employees feel a little bit um, not so panicked. But this was just such a weird situation that I think it was purposely leaked that he was fired because employee <laughs> yeah. morale is only going up, not down. Right, right. That's so, pretty sad. Um, and along those lines, it's good for people to feel like they are heard. So... There are multiple unnamed and named senior leaders that have been complaining about Bob Chapek to the board of directors, and it just escalated over the last couple of weeks. Some of the straws that broke the camel's back were that email we discussed a couple of weeks ago where Bob Chapek sent an email to everybody about budget cuts, employee layoffs, and cuts to travel. And apparently all the company leaders, employees were freaking out. He didn't even work with the department heads on that decision or how to craft the communication. And you and I were on top oh of that. We're like, this goodness. is kind of a weird yeah. Like, where's his comms person? He didn't even mention anything about the magic or storytelling. It was just like business. Um, so that apparently pissed a lot of people off. They went straight to the board. Um, and part of what I'm hearing is that 
Bob Iger is going to halt or slow down whatever those actions were that have, that are already like in motion. He's going to try to take a breath and figure out what they could do. Uh, the other part about this is I had mentioned the um, how it was not compassionate of the board to fire Bob Chapek the Friday before Thanksgiving. Now, flip the tables a bit. There were people at the Disney company, including Marvel executives, who were pissed off that Bob Chapek sent that email out on the day Wakanda Forever was released. And it was a very celebratory oh day in the company. The movie was doing huge. It was a celebration uh. of all this stuff. And then, you know, when you lead up to a big launch, everybody's like invested in it. And then you get that email. Everybody got that email at the company. All the companies. Oh, my Marvel, God. I just got those like chills that almost make you like sick to your stomach. Because I'm just <laughs> imagining that moment of like everyone celebrating and then like just it's ruined (laughs) so oh my gosh i didn't even think about it coming out at the same time that's terrible it's crazy i didn't either until people started saying especially that film like where they're honoring chadwick boseman so much like seriously what a dick literally a dickhead looks like a dickhead zero empathy in that guy no empathy and he uh didn't work with any of those mad managers so imagine getting getting that email and your bosses don't even know what to tell you right and they don't even know if they're fired or not uh, so yeah that seemed like one of the biggest um uh sort of boo-boos on top of the really bad quarterly earnings uh report and call and so by the t- you put all that together the board kind of has to do something and right it is. so decision was made we have bob Iger back in Uh, For two years, he's already restructuring as early as Monday morning and into Tuesday. Uh, Kareem Daniel. (laughs) So Kareem Daniel is a chairman and Disney Media and Entertainment Distribution uh, executive at the Walt Disney Company. Now, I have two thoughts on this. One, he's one of the only black senior leaders at the top of the company. So it's just unfortunate that he was given this role that was created by Chapek that is completely counter to Bob Iger's strategy. So what Chapek decided to do over the last couple of years, he separated everybody who works on marketing and merchandising and all that. He separated them from the actual creatives. So the creatives work in their own silo, and then anyone who's distributing the movies and marketing it worked separately. And the the head of that second piece was Kareem Daniel, uh, but now they don't need that second piece. They're going back to the way it should be. And so therefore he lost his job. So that that sucks. I wish they could have found him something different. But at the same time, he was sort of like Chapex. He was being groomed by Chapek to be the, his successor. Right. So it's probably not a good idea to keep him around. Bummer. But I wanted to give you some other examples of what it means to do this restructure. So straight from the mouth of Bob Chapek, he says... I, f- I mean, not JPEG, Bob Iger. Oh, gosh, this Bob's thing is going to be confusing. <laughs> it's like the okay, Bob plus. Iger said about his new restructuring. He says, I fundamentally believe that storytelling is what fuels this company, and it belongs at the center of how we organize our businesses. So there we have it. A lot of the complaints were they're losing focus on their creativity, and the Imagineers are being sidelined. Hopefully this all gets reversed. Um, and there's a couple of examples here. So apparently um, what they said on MSNBC after speaking with actual credible sources 
uh, the creative heads of the Disney company are now going to be in charge of making those tough decisions of what content goes to theaters and what goes directly to Disney+. Plus. So this tells me that Iger is not happy about what happened with Pixar. That was his first acquisition for Disney. That was like the baby. It was like a big deal right. when they acquired Pixar. And now they're just like making these direct to move direct to streaming movies. Yeah. Uh, and a bunch of sequels, sometimes something creative now and then. So let's hope that this helps figure out what we see in theaters. Um, another example of what he means by restructuring and putting creative creative uh, leaders, I guess, first is Kevin Feige, our favorite head of Marvel <laughs> Studios. He's now regaining control of how his products, meaning films and television, are being marketed and merchandised. So I didn't know that they were separated. Again, this is a Chapek thing. So right. basically, he had to like fight tooth and nail with Chapek's team on like the order of the Disney Plus series, what is going to be a movie, what's going to be a, an hour special presentation. And you know, it's so... Everything in the MCU is so interwoven that you can't really mess up the timelines. And he apparently had to fight a lot with Chapek's team on just something as simple as this. But now he has control because, again, Iger wants these decisions to be driven by the creative. So is it going to be the best experience for the viewers? That's right. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, What do you think about... That. I know you also had questions about like what is going on Disney Plus and why is some things in theaters. No, I, I think, I think it, it was like very obvious in that you could feel the distribution of like separating creatives from the money people and the marketing team or whatever it was, but I didn't know it was happening. Right. Does that make sense? I was just kind of like confused. I'm like, why does it feel so different? And nothing is like, like I go on Disney Plus now, I don't even know what to do. Like, it's just kind of different than it used to be. And <laughs> and so, like, you could absolutely see that the creative people weren't involved because that is, I think, what leads Disney from others, right? It's like, it has this other, almost like an algorithm to it. It just it's formatted differently than most and it's in this creative way. And if you don't have those people involved in everything, it's gonna feel different. Yeah. And it felt like more like a regular product cold. than a Disney product. Yeah. Yeah. Like that Wall Street Journal interview that we dragged JPEG through the mud through, mm-hmm. like the way he talked about it, right? Just felt so operational. Yes. Um, very corporate, very like not he's not he doesn't seem excited ever. Like I don't even remember a single time I've seen Chapek look excited. Yeah. Not like <laughs> he'd like force a smile on his face. Yeah, too. it's like whatever. Um but since you're talking about creatives, I just wanted to read this one tweet real fast. Yeah. Um this comes from Tom Morris who is a Disney Imagineer. Um assuming he's recently departed from Imagineering, but I just thought this was interesting to hear kind of on the inside of a creative of how things were under Chapek. So he tweeted out um, about the departure of Chapek, and then he wrote another tweet later and said, I don't cry about why I'm not at WDI anymore, because I did feel it was time to leave. But that guy never even took 30 seconds to stop in and introduce himself, let alone learn my history or what I had accomplished, something all other park leaders and CEOs made it a point to do. Wow. And I thought that was super interesting to hear, like... 
from somebody and Tom Morris, a lot of people on here probably know who he is. Like he's a very influential Imagineer and he like he's one of the top guys and he can't even catch Chapek for five seconds, you know. And I just thought that was interesting to hear how he probably treats creatives on top yeah. of separating them out, you know. What what a D. I'm so glad he's out. And you know <laughs> Bye. Um, there's a lot of stuff that I've learned in just my career about different leadership styles and there's different words to describe them. There's sometimes there's a leader or an executive that is an inspirational or transformational leader. That to me is like a Walt or a Bob Iger. And then there's something called a transactional leader. And that is a very mm-hmm. operations focused person. They do see things like a um, assembly line instead of right. a, an organism, you know, instead of an organization, a living, breathing thing. And you could see that now that I'm hearing all these like things broken down very clearly because I also didn't know that there were different people making these decisions on either side. So right. this all makes sense. And we saw we saw the outcome of that type of leadership style through JPEG. But I also wanted to add another bit here that Iger isn't perfect. Iger is not perfect. So what what I am hearing about the restructure and putting creatives back in control, uh, there's been a lot of trolling about Bob Iger's passion for the NBA. So if you remember during his time, because <laughs> he is a creative person also, he's both creative and business-minded, which is exactly what you need for that job. But right. he was so personally and emotionally attached to the NBA that he invested and built that whole NBA experience. And ap- oh my gosh, apparently a lot of people himself. were like saying that's not going to work. <laughs> but yeah, he did it for himself, basically. <laughs> and he was hoping it would be successful so that he could buy a team after he retired. Oh my gosh, yeah. I never knew any of this. It's kind of cool. Fascinating. It's kind of badass. You look, I think you're allowed to do some personal things if you're being successful for the company. I mean, I certainly do, even in my position. <laughs> right, there you go. <laughs> So that was his version of like redeeming credit card points. He tried to put the NBA experience at downtown Disney or Disney Springs. Didn't work. It's now shuttered. Um, But he was also the one behind offering the NBA bubble to the NBA at Grand Floridian during pandemic. So, I mean, and then he quit. Then he's like, bye, here's JPEG. You could have it. Uh, So that's interesting. I just want to say, you know, we will, if we see some questionable decisions being made over the next couple of years, we'll still call them out. Uh, but we right. fundamentally and, like like what Iger stands for. Right, exactly. And I feel that also just Iger's charisma and empathy alone, like how he delivers things. For instance, everyone was upset that there is a price hike during JPEC and everyone blames JPEC. There's been price hikes during every <laughs> CEO's time. However, the delivery and like how Bob Iger would stand in and like explain things and take that time to like speak to the fans and like write an article or whatever it was he did to reach out. It was like that part made us feel connected and also had a, a bit of understanding, right? Cause yeah. we're like, Oh, that makes sense. Instead of just like, being cold to everyone and then taking everyone's money. It just feels very different. And like, I, I am definitely even, more accepting of giving my money if someone understands why it might be hard or whatever the reasons are. So even during his, when Iger was doing the quarterly calls, like we would sometimes text each other and we would listen, you know, at work on the low, on the down low. But even when he <laughs> described things that were like things that were going to make us sad or mad, he would cushion it with remember why Disney's amazing and why we need to do these investments. Like he talked right. so 
he talked up Galaxy's Edge so much, even as there, it was going through turmoil, and then all of a sudden they couldn't open up Rise of the Resistance. Like he still talked about this, like you, it will be worth the wait, guys. Like this is amazing. So right. yeah, JPEG doesn't do that at all. Um, speaking of the <laughs> parks, though, there are rumors that as part of this, these quick decisions that I I, I can say I check. I've lost it. That oh, no. Iger is making. He's making a decision to halt the new Disney World Park surge pricing that JPEG is putting in place. And part of the reason why is it doesn't make any sense to show the consumer how the company values these separate products. So right now, if you go to Animal Kingdom and you want to buy a ticket for, uh, or according to new JPEG's new plan, if you want to buy a ticket for Animal Kingdom, let's say it's like one. One twenty-five thirty-seven, but if you want to buy a ticket for Magic Kingdom that day, it'll be one eighty-three ninety-five, and that that makes no sense because you're then saying, okay, Animal Kingdom is a less than park, so we're charging less to get in there. People don't think of it as, oh, it, no, it means that JPEG's doing price surging, like in the background. Nobody cares about that stuff. Each park <laughs> should just be the same price, and you just go in. Like, don't complicate it. So I really hope he halts that rollout. It's just dumb. Yeah, I was thinking of the tiered pricing in Disneyland, but that's just by demand on the day. It's not separate for the two parks. You're right. Yeah, and now he's trying to do both. Well, he's gone now. So, yeah. Um, all right. So <laughs> <Who>? now, <laughs> who's that? Who? JPEG. Who? Okay. The future <laughs> of Walt Disney, though, is still up in the air. So, uh, Bob JPEG. Oh my God! I keep doing it. Bob Iger. Iger. Oh, it's gonna be Bob bad. Bob Iger. He, so, okay, after this podcast episode, we can just forget about JPEG. Just forget about JPEG. And just keep talking about Iger. Okay, so Iger <laughs> only has two years to establish a successor. And so this was also one of his, um, I guess, weak points when he was CEO was that nobody ever met the high bar of becoming the next CEO. It's also why he had to extend his CEO for a while because there wasn't anything they settled for <clears throat> JPEG, but uh, they're realizing that was a bad decision. So there are a couple people that are rumored to be part of this process. Now, I don't know if they're doing this like The Apprentice Show and they're telling people they're candidates or if they're just, <laughs> if they have their eye on somebody. Uh, but... I think it's interesting to hear who these couple of choices are and, you know, like what this means for the future. So the first person that um, a lot of the people in the financial world are pointing to is the next CEO could be Dana Walden. So she would be the first woman CEO of the Walt Disney Company. She's currently the chairman of general entertainment content. That means she oversees the original entertainment and news programming for all of Disney's streaming platforms, broadcast and cable networks. That's everything from Disney Plus, Hulu, Star over in uh, Europe or India, wherever that is, and then you know ABC, ESPN, all ABC News, all that stuff. So uh, that would be really getting someone in who is creative, understands content, and has a little bit of business savviness because she's chairman. And a lot of the um, analysts are saying, you know, within two years, I think that's enough time to bring somebody up to level up somebody's skill set that's already at the chairman level and level them up to be CEO. And so they they are hoping, analysts are hoping they go with a creative first person and then teach them the missing operational skills versus right. the reverse, which is what they did with JPEG. 
And so the other person that comes up is another creative person that we all know and love, Josh DeMauro, chairman of Disney Parks Experiences and Products. So he oversees everything around the world uh, where Disney stories, characters, and franchises come to life. That's how they put it. Um, however, the analysts are saying, while he might be the most obvious charismatic person to choose, um, he only has experience in parks, and they are hesitant. They think that the board might be hesitant to put another parks person in charge because Chapek was the head of parks before. And now, I don't know. They're not the same people, though. What do you think? It's interesting that you mentioned that because I always forget that Chapek was head of parks. Like. What did he do? He managed Josh Tomorrow. It also it shows I don't when even remember when him you being part have of anything. <laughs> like a good team. He had a good team of people reporting to him and then he had a good boss. And so I think it's it would it was probably okay that he was super operational in that. Yeah, that he was recipe. like the buffer in between two creatives, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, like the there Walton were things Roy. that rolled out. He did help develop Genie before it became Genie Plus. It was just supposed to be the free concierge app that Iger announced <laughs> at the expo a few years ago. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I don't think they're the same people. I think if we go along that uh, lines of the strategy that analysts are saying, like train Do- Josh DeMauro to become more business operational. Right. Um, also, how do we know. know these people aren't? Like, why are we making these That's what I'm saying. Like, I have no idea what he's like in that aspect. The, selfishly, I would choose Josh tomorrow because I'm more worried about the parks than anything else right. in the Walt Disney yeah. Company. And <laughs> so they're I the just most vocal sure. fans. Huh? Park fans are the most vocal, I think, out of all the Disney products. <laughs> Very true. Um, and parks is honestly, I feel like, the well, that's not true because Disney Plus had a very big hit recently right with the numbers tanking but um i feel the parks were hit very hard so like we kind of need to come back from that and i feel like josh tomorrow could do that really well although i do not know anything about dana and is uh dana dana a female yes as she would be the first woman right, first they still call it chairman It even said that on the website. I guess chairperson. Chairwoman. Chairperson. Uh, but yeah, she's currently the chairperson of Disney General Entertainment content. Um, then there was like this third option that they're talking about on um, MSNBC, which is Bob Iger could pull another mini acquisition out of his pocket and look for a smaller or maybe large. It takes too long if it's large. A smaller acquisition to make that is less about the business or the product, but about the leadership that would be acquired. Um, I don't personally, again, as an HR leader in our in my day job, I don't think it's good to bring in somebody from the outside after this kind of employee morale issue that was happening. People right. like to see someone rise from within. But I don't know. They're saying, like, it's going to be really hard. Bob Iger is the only Bob Iger. They can't find any Bob Igers out there. So I don't know. They only have two years. What are they going to do? Huh. I was saying to my group of friends, like, is it interesting that he supposedly was going to run for president and he's, his time at Disney ends right at the new election? Oh, that tea came out too. Okay. What? So he was going to run <laughs> twice, apparently. And both times he let his family, his kids and mom, mom, his kids and wife make the final decision. And both times they said, no, please don't. Because they don't want, they didn't want all that, but they believed in him. They were just like they don't want to be part of it. So he really wanted to. 
he really wanted to. Wow. Which would have been a whole Aww. other world we would be living in. I like him because I would listen to him. And it's not just because he's with Disney. It's just the way he speaks. Like, I like listening to Bob Iger speak. He always yeah. has a very nice way of talking. So can you please fix Disney and then go run for president and fix our country? Thanks. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is the, the latest uh, tea we can spill on the Chapek Iger saga. We're glad to have Iger back. Uh, but also, there's other restructurings happening in our imagination because we have a <laughs> Patreon takeover topic from Don. And he asked us, this is a really fun one, if we were to re- redesign the D23, is it maybe the expo and the fan club? If we were to redesign D23, what would that look like? Especially the expo. We just recently went. What would the Disney Holics do with D23? So that's the question from Don. And we're going to try to answer that now yeah i came up with a little bit of both like the d23 membership in general and then also the expo so i'll start off with d23 as a whole um i'm gonna say that we are the stand-in chair people of (laughs) (laughs) chief officers of d23 today um and i just want to say like overall the membership i think is fine uh it's currently priced around $100, right, for a gold member. Not bad. It's for a whole year. The gift is super nice. I feel that the gift is worth, like, half of the price you pay to become always, a member. always amazes me. I'm like, yeah, it's like, included? oh, I feel like I just paid for this only, yeah. but then you have a membership for a whole year. And things that that gives you access to are special events, uh, first grab at tickets that come out that might be for the general public also. Um these quarterly scent magazines, which I just shove in a closet. So nice. I keep <laughs> telling you, you got to really use that like. for decoupaging. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I think the membership is fine. I, I probably wouldn't touch the membership except for the events. So I would I would ramp up the events like nobody's business because, you know, that's my thing. I love doing events, what I do literally for my job. Um, and I would look into things... Like, first of all, I would make sure that they are in more cities. D23 is so L.A. heavy that it's almost embarrassing. Like, they're like, oh, we're going to include everyone and everybody joins. And then they only have, like, let's say 100 events a year and 97 of them are in Los Angeles. Right? <laughs> so it's it's a little frustrating even for me. I don't even live that far away from L.A., like six hours um, and I still can't really attend hardly any D23 events. They've had smaller things like uh, movie previews, or I don't know what you would call that when you get access to see a movie before it comes out to everybody. What is that called? Yeah, like a preview or sneak preview. A preview. There early, you go. Sneak, early advance. Sneak peek. Advance access. Yep. Um, they've had those Lightning before, and they could do those everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> fast, <laughs> they could fast. do those like easily all over the place, right? So roll out some more. I'm of those surprised types they don't. Things. That's a. Yeah. That's one that is doable in this blue sky armchair. Right, right. Um, I would even do some mixers. I know Disney fans love to meet other Disney fans. Like, have some mixers. Uh, For instance, I think they've done them before at the D20 or the um, Walt Disney Family Museum. That's a great idea. Keep things like that going. Um, And more of these these smaller one-off events, I think, would really kind of make it more enjoyable as a d23 member 
Um, Because basically, if you're a D23 member and you don't care about the magazines or the gift, then all you really have is access to LA events and access to cheaper tickets for the the, the expo every other year. (laughs) So, like, you know, they can ramp up. They have a lot of room for improvement. Um, I also have to say I love the events that they have at the park. Uh, They know a lot of us, regardless of where we live try to make it to the park every so often. So they had more of those special events in the park. Do you remember we went to that one for the dedication of the window for... Um, oh, yeah. That was fun. Yeah. For... Oh, my God. What's his name? Marty Sklar. No. No. Olaf Jarabadaya. <laughs> the archives guy. I can't believe I'm forgetting his name um, right now. Leslie Smith Daniel. No. I don't know who that is. Robert um, Krogan. Shoot! I'll never forget. Now, Dave Smith! Dave Smith. You said Smith, didn't you? <laughs> I knew it was something, like, simple, but right, I didn't know it was Right, very generic name, yeah. Dave Smith, and then that was a D23 only. You could, The tickets are free. You just had to be able to be a gold member to get a ticket. So I think things like that are really easy for them to do and really cool, even if they just have, like, a mixer at Ralph Brennan's Jazz Club in downtown Disney. Like, you know, just have little things for people to enjoy. Um, so that's what I would do for D23. For the More events. Thing. I I think for the events, I, I would, I actually wouldn't add. I, I more, more wanted to say that I saw something on the recent Disney cruise. They had a D23, and it said it was new, D23 um, presentation. It was like an hour long in one of the theaters. Um, I stopped by for a second and essentially what they were doing was sh- highlighting everything that came out of the expo. So, like, if you missed the expo and the excitement Whoa, around it. Whoa, that's cool. Yeah, you could have gone to that. I didn't know that you were doing that. I thought it was only on the D23 or oh. only on the DVC cruises. But it looks like they're putting that on all the cruises now, which is very cool. So, like, more of that stuff in unexpected places. That would be kind of Yes. Cool. I was just thinking that would be amazing if for the D23 expo they released... Like the video footage of all the panels for gold members to watch only or something. That would be so cool. Yeah, because it's like you're a Patreon. That's what it should be like. It should feel like being a Patreon. I also think the D23 membership itself should unlock more discounts if you're purchasing things within the Disney ecosystem, the capital D. Because um, this is definitely blue sky. But I wish there was this rule that if you had D23 gold, for example then that allows you to stack your discounts so you could get annual pass, DVC, Visa, and a D23 gold discount. Oh but God, then the product would be free. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I, I mean, I'm okay with that. Discount. You already put enough money into every, all these things, right? right. Uh, okay. You said you, were, you had some ideas about the expo too. Yeah. So first I have written down in all caps. Train your staff, <laughs> OMG. Like, just, like, in this, if anyone here has worked at D23, I know there is D23 actual staff, and then there's volunteers. D23 staff should know everything. Volunteers probably don't know much at all. But there's got to be something better to do with that. It seems, in my my experience, most of the D23 Actual employees still couldn't even tell you where anything is on the show floor. You're out on the show floor. I'm asking where the major, like, where's the Disney store? Or where's where's Mickey of Glendale's? They can't tell me. So, like, 
their staff, at least, if not the volunteers, at least the D23 staff should be like ready to go with information about. Like they should just be able to tell you how to make life easier while you're at the expo. That is my number one thing. With one source of truth. Like there should just be one document or app that they all have that they can open up and get the same answer so that they're not right. all telling us different things either. Right. Yep. Some type of easy, quick access for people to, to answer their questions for sure. Um, next I have make it longer uh, by at least like a day. I was thinking maybe have all the big hits on Saturday and Sunday, right? All the big panels. Um, but then add like maybe a Thursday and a Friday on. We already have the Friday, but do Thursday and Friday more uh, specialized for the smaller panels. Um, that way we can do them all. That's always the most frustrating part about D23 is not being able to do 75% of what you plan to do, right? Because you are waiting in line for those big panels. So um, I would like to have a little more time at the expo. I know it's a, a big thing, but if they just stretched out one more day, it used to be four days. You remember that back in the day? Oh, when they that first feels started, so, it was four it days. It feels long and happy. Oh, I you're think, like, I'm good. Yeah, I think I the downside, I remember on the, the final day was Sunday. I was already like OTM, like over the magic. Yeah, but now think about it if it wasn't so fucking stressful for three days. True. Because and we it's get longer. good news. We got a lot of bad news. That's why. Yeah, yeah, that part was a little <laughs> different. Fair, um, fair. Yeah, I could use another yeah, day. If, like you said, especially if it's like the smaller panels, people who want to take off an extra day of work, we can come early and do those smaller panels. Yeah. And maybe like those fan-posted like, you know, panels, too, that they exactly. don't have. Yep. Give those those spots on those days. And if you're like a super fan and you want to come for those things, too, you have the time to do it. Because right now you have to sacrifice. Like I sacrifice so many really good panels because I'm literally addicted to the adrenaline of these big panels. Like, yeah. <laughs> I won't give them up. So, um, but yeah, so that would be something I'd like to see. Maybe go back to the four-day plan. Um, and then next I have continue improving on the mobile app. I really think that the mobile app has a lot of really good information in it. It's very finicky. It's got its own issues, but I think it's on the right track. And I actually loved the mobile check-in for shopping. However, you could not select your time. So often we would get a call back and we couldn't go because we're mid-panel. So like the the structure of an expo doesn't work with this like boarding group or whatever you want to call it right. for the shopping, right? So if they could fix that. Um, let you select times instead, similar to mobile order for food on the Disneyland app. You get to select your time. That would be a huge improvement, and I, w- I would be so sold on it then. Um, yeah. These are all very fair and level-headed <laughs> ideas that could be implemented. Thanks. They're not too crazy. Um, I have a couple I would add to the expo experience if we were able to redesign it. Uh, let's bring back Sorcerer. I don't know if it replaces uh, the new one or is an, a second option that's back, but I would love that. I just, I missed, the what I didn't like about our preferred seating pass is that I kept thinking it was a Sorcerer pass and forgetting that we don't have some of the simple, like premium things like our own queue for security. Like I, I want the full thing so I don't, I know I don't have to worry about anything. I'll pay for right, it. Just make me, right. just give it back to me, please. So that's a sorcerer pass. Um, I would also say for the marketplace on the show floor, that's where we see a lot of the uh, antique sellers and stuff. 
let's double the size of that and add more creators like bring people from etsy and from all these places i want to see more new stuff and, and more diverse things it's always the same people every expo and i That's see the same stuff that they didn't sell that. two years ago <laughs> I was very bored Me with too. the marketplace. Me too. Like I looked through there and I just kind of caught like I need to get out of here. Like I didn't and I don't hate that stuff. I just like didn't see the fun booth every three booths down that yeah. they used to have. And they did used to have them. I remember um, one of the first D23s. I remember at the on Sunday evening, like at the very end of the expo, there was like this booth that created their own Disney t-shirts. It was like this like hoodies Ooh. and t-shirt line of like these fun Disney designs. And they were selling them like super cheap because they're trying to get rid of them before the end of the expo. And like those moments where you get to like meet like creators and see like their own design and like like how you said the Etsy version of a lot of those booths. That is super fun to me. Like, I would love to, like, find someone with, like, the Mickey or mini ear headbands, yeah. even though I don't buy those on my own. Like, that's really still fun. They should really embrace that and bring people in. And, you know, they can figure out how to make that, you know, a business decision if there's, like, they take a cut of whatever whatever it needs to be. But I would love to see new artists and creators there. And I think I'd also love to see them supporting more people like us. I mean, not necessarily the Disneyholics, but being able to see, like... Skywalking through Neverland have like an official booth in the marketplace that is in partnership with Disney and Disney is helping them figure out how to make the day exciting for the people who walk by. Right now, everyone's just like on their own. So some booths look crazy cool with like animatronics. Some booths just have <laughs> balloon figment and some don't even have anything at all. They're just there to talk to you. So if like Disney helped the, I guess, influencers and social media people, the good ones, if they help them get, have a presence at the expo, that could be a win-win for everybody. And I would love, I love to that. meet all those people there too. That's like that um, program I talked about where like they take creators and teach them, like put them through training. There you they go. They could also do that for these take booths. The like here, step. let's set you up. Yep, add it to that. I love that. Do you remember they used that balloon figment as a photo yes. for the meet and greet. <laughs> I do. I do. That means somebody took it that weekend and said, let's use this for your parks ex presentation. For the announcement of the meet and greet. for Like, what? That is so weird. How does that have anything to do with it? That is so, so weird. weird. And every time I saw it on the floor after that, I was like angry. I'd be like, ugh. Fake. <laughs> fake presentation. Like, what is this? What is this? <laughs> Um, and then I would say if there's anything else more I do to teach, I thought this would be more exciting when Don asked the question, but we are asking for just minimal, uh, quality of life changes here. <laughs> yeah, um, right. the only thing I would Comfort add to D23, changes, please, <laughs> just, just a little bit is Mornina West. Please bring her back can and have her just, host everything. <laughs> can we clone her, have like 47 Nina Wests in hosting every panel? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Please, that'd be perfect. Um, and generally, more drag would be fun, but that's just my own, my own personal wants and needs. Uh, well, it sounds like we've redesigned a nicer, doable version of the D23 membership and uh, the D23 Expo. Anything else you would redo? No, I, I mean, the only other thought I had was about like the passes because we do know that there are a lot of people who go there strictly to shop and flip things. Mm. I would love if they had like 
a shopping day at the end of the expo that they could sell tickets to or something to just get those people out of the expo and stop crowding it. Let them like have their own access later yeah, or some other like time. Separate or like area. have them show up at like 5 a.m. to shop. Like I don't care. Like get them out of here. I don't want those people there. Get out of here. <laughs> get out of here. Um, when you mentioned better experience. tickets, I think one thing I would change is there shouldn't be any exclusive tickets for something that occurs on a day of the expo or the night of an expo. Remember like the Oogie Boogie Bash? Oh, yeah. That would be perfect for a come Thursday or stay through Monday. And right. We have a special event before or yeah, after the Yeah, that's expo. actually a really good point, too, because they also rarely have Oogie Boogie Bash on a Saturday night. Oh, like yeah, in general, up a lot of because they don't want to take people. away DCA from people on Saturdays, right? Like on just a normal yeah. day. Um, and I would love to do an expo exclusive event at the park, but just not on the busy days. Yeah, yeah. not after I've been at the expo for two days already. Yeah. No way. We couldn't even go to the park that night. We were dead. We were and so we tired. had preferred seating, so we didn't have to camp out. It's exhausting going to these expos. It is. And even just sitting there is exhausting because you're trying to stay awake before the thing starts. It's and a like, lot. I'm like clapping and trying to get all hyper so I don't fall asleep. Yeah. <laughs> very true. That is funny, too, especially you and I, our personalities. We get very hyped very quickly for things we're excited about we probably drain ourselves yeah, being excited hard. about the thing we get to and then we can't stay awake for it <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh yeah i think there's plenty of things that can be updated very easily like you're saying the comfort things um oh i didn't even mention food the Ooh, food at the okay. expos god awful not not counting the food trucks like they only have those like what is it one or two areas in the expo floor that you can it's eat really at weird. and it's just i did hear from our friends friends of the show nick and joey that they did apparently add something in one of the courtyards and it was good they said it was good i think it was like a burrito stand that was still like convention operated but yeah the, okay. the ones in that that in the quick service counters they're like they're microwaving like freshetta pizza or something. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible it's like a <laughs> old 1980s baseball park or yeah. something like i don't it's just bizarre it's so and there's Even not now, enough like, madison square garden over here like they have like fancy ass burger places now at the stadiums right. i've seen them so they totally. should be able and then the while the trucks are good they're so hard to get food right wait in long lines so, so perhaps add mobile order mobile order trucks, right please and then they can add, have like, that a... whole thing cleared out for just seating yeah. Oh, my God. That would be amazing. Mobile order. Um, yep. Yeah. So that's D23. What is it again? 2024 is our next one? I guess. Is, have they announced the next one? Supposedly. Yeah. They, I guess they really have They haven't. usually do, right? What but if I don't Iger it. pulls a fast one? He's like, we're going to do it again next year, <gasps> baby. For the 100th? Stop. <laughs> For the 100th. Scream. They, you know, they'd already be selling tickets. They'd already be sold out by now. You gotta get a redo. We're gonna do that. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, another thing that happened at the D twenty three Expo was that they brought in Walt's plane, his actual plane, for us to gawk at and just wish that we could fly it somewhere. But we had a request coming from one of our patrons, Emma. That says, please tell us more about the history of Walt's plane, according to Mike TV. Well, so thank Mike. you, Emma. I am getting yes. a 
communication here from beyond, and I think I think that that's Walt's plane. And they are trying to communicate, and they sent me all this information. So I'm going to talk to you about <laughs> the history of Walt Disney's private plane, according to Mike TV. So I have a bunch of facts. It was actually more interesting than I thought. I probably should have done this research before the expo, because I didn't even go into that room and see the plane at all. I didn't care about it. <laughs> and I think part of it was like, you kept saying, well, we already saw it at Hollywood studio- Studios, right? I was like, oh, yeah, I guess yeah. so. It's not like we could go inside. It's like I've seen it. It's far away. We have too much to do here. I'm not going over there. Uh, Well, here's what I learned. And, of course, sprinkled in throughout all these facts and stories that I'm going to tell you about Walt's plane are a couple of made-up fun facts, fibs, lies. So feel free. I'm just going to keep, you know, going through. And you stop me anytime you want to ask questions. All right. And listeners, scream at your radios or headphones or whatever you have. Radios. Fib. (laughs) We're coming on. Radios from your old school plane, (laughs) from Walt's plane itself. All right. So let's talk about the plane. And then I want to talk about the airport itself that's on at Disney World, because that's equally as interesting as the plane it was built for. So let's start with the plane. So this is a twin engine propeller plane. And every plane that flies in the United States has to have a tail tag or a call number. And so one of the things that's super cute is that the tail tag for this is the N234MM. And uh, I was watching a D23 video actually from 2016. So this was before the recent expo. And they did a whole uh, history of the plane, which was helpful for this research. Uh, And they talked about how they were they really lucked out so you know when you get your car and you want a cool license plate number it it can't be taken yet right um or i guess even like an aol username (laughs) type of thing yeah Uh, but they really wanted i guess there's usually two letters at the end they wanted it to be mm so that they cannot have to so that they could say mickey mouse when they're saying their call on the radio oh instead of like alpha beta whatever so cute and uh So they were able to get those initials that they wanted, put it on the tail. And they also said that airports that they would have to radio into, whether they're flying through it or needing to land somewhere else, they would get so excited every time they'd be like, this is the N234 Mickey Mouse. And they would get so excited because they knew Walt was probably on that plane. You know, this is like what, in the 70s, 60s? So cool. Uh, They also logged over 20,000 hours of flight on this plane during its time in its heyday. And one of the main things Walt Disney used the plane for was to survey the property in the Florida project. So he would fly over all of the the swampland that they bought in Florida as they mapped out what Walt Disney World was going to look like. So he would literally fly over it and look at it. And they also used the plane a lot to shuttle Imagineers who were based in Southern California, and hopefully still will be if that move gets canceled. Uh, But yeah, they would shuttle Imagineers on this plane directly to Disney World over in Florida uh, to work on these projects. So even then, they let them stay in California. Isn't that cool? Fib. (laughs) You think that's a fib? Fib. It's true. It's really true. (gasps) What? That plane could go across the state? Of course it could. It did, and... They never it once, like, even Walt didn't try to ooh. move the Imagineers there when they were building this major pro- Like, if there was any time to force them to move, it would have been then. You're building Disney World. Right. Uh, 
And the fact that Chapek was trying to do that, I hope it doesn't happen. But it seems like the Imagineers belong in SoCal. Um, but yes, that was true. They would fly over there pretty often. Um, they also had an interview on that video with flight attendants, formal flight attendants on that plane who worked the plane. That was their full-time job. They lived in Southern California, but they did say they spent Monday through Friday in Orlando, and then they would fly the business people and Imagineers back on the weekends. So she was oh, like, I technically right. only lived in SoCal on the weekend, but that's where my home was. I flew over uh, with the jets or the plane Monday through Friday. Um, Walt had his own seat in the plane, which is something the flight attendant remembered. And it was only his seat, only he could sit in it. And it also had the plane's dashboard in it, a view-only version. So he could see all the meters going up and down. And he also had a direct line to the pilot. So if he was like, circle back, I want to go see this thing. I think I might put Epcot there. Uh, so he could do that from his seat. Very cool, but also very Walt, it seems like. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> things on the plane got even bougier than that. So. Apparently, the further back you walk on the plane, the nicer it was. It would go from just seating to booths and tables, recliners, larger seating. And some of the eccentric things that Walt had on the back of that plane was, number one, a peanut butter machine, because he loved peanut butter, which I didn't know that. Um, and then he what had the a cigarette roller, someone who was just there dedicated to roll his cigarettes and his guest cigarettes, which is very of the time. And, oh, wait, this is a person? And bougie. Yeah, there's a peanut butter machine and then separately a cigarette oh. roller person dedicated to bringing wow. on tobacco and rolling it fresh. Um, part of this was to show off. So I think one of the cool things that I learned was that they used this plane also for Walt to pitch business ideas and right. make business deals with what, you know, like captive audience, captive guests. You say, hey, I'm going to take in my private plane to see what I'm working on over in Florida. I'm going to drive you, I mean, drive, fly you from California. <laughs> you now have like five hours with whoever you want to make a deal with. And so I have a list of some people. So some of these passengers included Julie Andrews, Annette Funicello, U.S. presidents like Jimmy Carter and Ronald Reagan, and then also millionaire business people like ugh, Donald Trump, but also Howard Hughes and Ray Kroc. Do you know Ray Kroc? McDonald's? No. The founder of McDonald's, Ray Kroc. His plaque is oh, at Oh, I knew I knew McDonald's. the name. Okay. Um, but yeah, so they would do this. Now, the one... The, the Wait, why is Donald Trump on there? Businessman, He's way too young, right? Rich, fancy people, you know. So this is post-Walt Disney. Uh, no, this Unless is with Walt fib. Disney. These are people he flew with. These are all people he flew with during No, okay, time. well, fib on Donald Trump. That timeline doesn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you, you got me on that one. You got me on Donald Trump. Um, the one picture of him that you'll see everywhere on the plane, not Donald Trump, but Walt Disney, is with Kurt Russell, little young Kurt Russell. I mean, they were doing a lot of projects toward the end of Walt's Sad. life. And, uh, Wait, that's creepy. Multiple pictures of him and Kurt Russell? No, the one that you see the most in multiple places, like in the archives. They show this one. Oh, it's like oh okay. Walt and Got Kurt it. walking off the plane. Uh, no, it's not like a weird Michael Jackson situation at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, why? It was so during these projects. <laughs> and to that end, the plane itself was featured in two Disney movies starring Kurt Russell including the computer warp tennis shoes, which we are going to review 
in a couple of weeks, if not next week or whenever. And what? I can't believe it. So when we watch it, we got to look now for it. Now we get to see it. Yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> and little did we know there's a sequel to The Computer Wore Tennis Shoes called... OMG. It's called Now You See Him, Now You Don't. Uh, so this came out in 1972, where Tennis Shoes came out in 1969. But the plane is featured in the sequel also. So if we like the first one enough, maybe Hilarious. we'll watch the sequel. Look for the right. plane again. <laughs> But I love that list. Kurt Russell keeps coming up in Walt's story, especially like in his older days. Um, maybe he saw him as like a son figure type of thing. I don't know. I don't know. Like grandson type of figure. He was like, I mean, he was into like having like those big stars as kids, right? Like he, the whole Mickey Mouse Club theory. Right. And, like and that Funicello so. and then turning him into yeah. mega stars, which Disney Channel still does, I guess. To right. This day. Right. Um, now, Oh, some other things that came up that he imagined up while he was on the plane. Walt Disney drew and came up with the sketch for Mickey's cartoon, Plane Crazy, pun intended, P-L-A-N-E, while flying on the plane, which is appropriate, right? Now, after the plane (laughs) retired and was no longer in service, um, it went on display and storage uh, in intervals. We know it from being on the backlot tour, tram tour of MGM slash Hollywood Studios. And then, of course, you mentioned earlier, it did come to the expo um, recently. And I believe now it's in Palm Springs at an aviation museum. Uh, that's what I could find. That's not a fib. I just that's the most information I could find <laughs> where it is today. And uh, so who knows? It might pop back up somewhere else but yeah that is the plane and i wanted to say one thing that was really crazy to me was when they had to bring the plane to out of storage to mgm or hollywood studios or whatever it was mgm at the time they had to close the nearby highway so that they could land the plane on the highway and then they hauled it to the theme park from there so florida residents couldn't use that highway during those hours or that day or whatever i remember when you're taking like is it the skyliner or am i tripping there's a way you can see the old landing strip i think it's the monorail in to Walt Disney World. oh maybe the monorail i i, I like, don't have where it are on we here, up high yeah monorail i, I remember totally, I like it's always something that you kind of want to look for and yeah, then, yeah right you can see the old landing strip that's pretty cool yeah i wonder why they didn't just land it there maybe it was already Already out of service, which brings us to the next segment of the history of Walt Disney's plane is the airport itself. So there was, yes, a very small airport on Walt Disney World property before all the parks were built. It was there first and it stayed there through Magic Kingdom's opening and run. And uh, what's interesting about it, it's closed now, but allegedly, like you said, and fans say, I don't know if this is a rumor or what or or a legend, but you can supposedly still see it. And even if it has growth over it, like grass, apparently it's still there. And one of the fun facts about that runway is that if you reach the speed, I want to say it's 45 miles per hour, which sounds like Back to the Future. Um, if you <laughs> That's drive, all I was thinking of. Right? If you drive on that runway, the grooves in the runway play music. And it's either when, it's when you have it plays when you wish upon a star and you know it obviously worked when the plane was going on it and what i mean in, what's interesting is this uh, this type of engineering exists in real life they have it in like sweden and stuff like that um, they have it here too i've been on one of the musical highways oh that's so cool 
So I went on the one that goes, I think it's da 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 that song, whatever that is. Oh, that's perfect. And it encourages people to go to the speed limit if you want to hear the proper. But yeah, isn't that cool? That's pretty cool. It's very cool and very fake. It is real. No, it is not. It is real. Yep. You're so full of it. it no is, way. That is a real fact. And I mean, how stop, can get stop. any cooler? Like that is stuff that does not benefit I anybody. I can't just even with you. I'm literally fact checking you right now. I cannot it's true. with that. It's true. But my caveat is I didn't put it on here as the fib. It really comes up now. It, people are like, is it true? You have to drive on a Jeep now to even test it. So... You know, I don't know if anybody what? remembers That's it. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. It, it, I'm going to have to rabbit hole this designed, later. Yeah. I'm not going to let it go. But. <laughs> Please do and get back to us because I want to know. I hope it's real because that's so cool because that was a long time ago too. Yeah. I don't think these musical highways have been a thing it's, um, for the, ever. The technology is so basic. It's just like those like little music boxes yep. type of thing. Totally right? like the little bumps. Yeah. It doesn't yep. require electronics or anything. It's like some of those cool things that you see in older architectural building like Grand Central station you can like talk from one corner of the roman thing and you could hear on the other side right i love that like it requires no i love that stuff um okay so yeah he had that and supposedly that's true and i think that's so cool (laughs) now when they had to land the plane every time one was arriving they had to let staff know hours in advance because they had to clear gators off the runway before the plane could land, especially okay, I believe that pump. one, especially back right. then when right. it was like still swampland. Oh, my Swamp, God. Swamp City Nation. <laughs> uh, this is really cool. I found out that they had a partnership. So Disney had a partnership with an airline called Eastern Airlines, and they actually had a sponsored either attraction or exhibit at Magic Kingdom called If You Had Wings. So they were oh, yeah. really like intertwined in this. And Eastern Airlines was the only airline that would fly you to Disney World. So let's talk about what the airport situation was like back then. So there was this small airport at Disney World, and then there was like a medium-sized Orlando airport. It's not the one we know today. And if you bought a special ticket with Eastern Airlines, you would fly to the medium-sized Orlando airport. Then there was a smaller regional plane that took you 15 minutes directly to the center of Disney World. And that only cost seven dollars more for that add-on, but I don't know the what? inflation. But it was seven back then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's I think that's pretty cool. And they would have uh, experiences on the plane, even if it was a short time. Like you could draw and do all the stuff. It had Disney character. It was all themed out. A short amount. Oh, yeah, of time. I think that is so cool, and I also think that's a fib. <laughs> it's real. Stop it! It's real. What? Right? Who knew this plane and airport had? Why don't they have stuff like this now, Iger? Let's get with it. Right? When I was watching that, I was I watched a video about that, and I thought they crafted Walt crafted with Eastern Airlines. The experiences was meant to be. You're supposed to go from your home to the bubble, and it was so thought out. And you're even getting the brand experience on the plane. So the oh fact gosh. that Chapek or whoever decided to take away Magical Express. I was going to say, right? who cut Magical Express? That's <gasps> opposite of Walt's vision. You now have to go right. to Uber or wherever from the airport. And it breaks it all. It breaks right. it. Because even if you're on a, let's say you're on a regular consumer plane going to Orlando, 
it's going to feel Disney. You're going to see Mickey hats and Mickey yeah. luggage. Yeah, everyone, and, they all right? jokes about Disney while you're on. Yeah. They all know. And they all know what we're doing. <laughs> to ride the Mears bus after that or Uber, like that ruins it. So Meh. I think they need to go back and look at all this stuff. Like the, the heads up need to go back or they need to listen to our podcast. <laughs> They need to just listen to our podcast Where and hire we, us as the new chief right. <laughs> executive officers. We know all the reasons why Disney's magical. Um, right. Okay, so <laughs> since you already know that this is a truth, I have a fun uh, uh, audio clip here from a television commercial about Eastern Airlines. And it is I'm so creepy. I'm so dumbfounded right now with these last two things. So weird. I'm so okay. excited about it. So put, use your imagination because we all can't see the video, but it's also a horrible video. It's like distorted and like sepia colored by design, not because it's old. And this person's like hallucinating. She's a girl, a young girl, and she's like running through the woods hallucinating. And this scary looking Peter Pan is chasing her. <laughs> flying after her to the forest and that's where it starts so here we go do you know the way to the magic kingdom sure i do but can you fly oh my god <laughs> you can fly to a magic kingdom that's right outside your hotel window to walt disney world in florida on easter the airline of Walt Disney World. The airline that believes dreams really can come true. <laughs> wow. Isn't that cool? So that commercial was really scary. She's looking for a magic kingdom in the forest. And then Peter Pan is like, fly, fly, fly. <laughs> it's like <laughs> psychedelic. And then they show a close-up of the girl's eyeball. Like it's like a Stanley Kubrick movie. I don't know what was going on. That's what the... 70s? Early 70s? <laughs> I mean, it does kind of fit, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess the early 70s. And uh, and they only had a couple of resorts. So the only option you had was one of those resorts where you see the park. So, I mean, that was the true experience that he wanted. Very wow. Good. That is mind-blowing. And I need a time machine stat. <laughs> yeah. I want to ride it. It's a cute <laughs> little plane, too, that you get to ride. Um, as soon as you said, like, I already didn't believe you. And then you said the onboard experience stuff. I'm like, there's no way they were doing that back then. That's way cool. And you're like, yep. So cool. They had like arts what? and crafts for the kids to do. And I, I feel like gypped right now. Oops, <laughs> totally. that's a bad word. You know what I mean? Totally. Ripped off, whatever the good word is for that. Things went uh, increased and we lost stuff. That's the shape. Yeah. Um, and then just a couple, a few couple of notes here in terms of what's going on with the airport now. So it is no longer in use. Uh, part of it is because they, there was no upkeep on purpose. The Orlando airport uh, got bigger and, and Walt actually had plans of making a large airport that would be in that spot to get people to Disney World, to get commercial airlines. Wow. But when he died, the plan died with it and they focused on just Magic Kingdom and the resorts. Uh, they also now have a no-fly zone implemented on top of all of Walt Disney World property. So kind of for all those reasons, there are no more airport plans or airports to use on Disney property. So you do have to go through Orlando. And in its place now, where the uh, most of the runway used to be, is the Saratoga Springs Treehouses. Oh! So maybe you can okay. go for a jog, if we stay at the treehouse, and you can hear... When you wish upon a star, but you'd have to drag your feet on the runway, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> like shuffle the whole way really fast. 
Like, and dash. I was like, which one of us are going for a jog because... <laughs> Neither. Can you do it and just do it live so I can watch? Yeah, just do it live. Um, so we've come to the end of the history of Walt Disney's plane, according to Mike TV. And this is probably the worst you've done on any one of these games. I was going to say, <laughs> I haven't called you out on too many things. And then the things I thought were absolutely impossible were not fibs. So what did I miss? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's see. Let's I hope our listeners with... did better than I did, but man, you were hard to read this time. This this one was good, and it was it's fun when there are so many interesting things that it's already exciting enough. Uh, right. Okay, so there was no peanut butter machine or cigarette roller person. Oh, uh, okay, okay. <laughs> I don't know if Walt likes peanut butter. I just imagined him being <laughs> wanting something fresh that he enjoyed, and I figured out what could that be. And then we all knew he was a smoker, so I thought I could sneak that cigarette part in. Um, Yeah, I fully believed the cigarette thing. I was like, ouch. (laughs) There was one lie that I forgot to say, and I'm very mad that I forgot it. It was during the part when we were talking about all the celebrities on his plane. I was going to say that, rumor has it, Carrie Fisher was conceived on this plane by her parents, Debbie Reynolds and Todd Fisher. But it's kind of too easy. (laughs) And there's the like Mile no High privacy Club on that plane. In Walt's plane. <laughs> She'd just be like right there in front of Walt. Um, right. With the, a cigarette roller and eating peanut butter. Can you roll me a cigarette? <laughs> I just had sex. Um, okay, you did guess Donald Trump, but Howard Hughes and Ray Kroc, millionaires, also were never on his plane. Okay. Um, Howard Hughes was very fitting. Right? Yeah, the aviator very. and all that. And it was around the same time he was like in his heyday, like 65 to 75. Year 1965. And I could um, see Walt Disney and the McDonald's guy being buddies. Cause, so like, they're I. So into like right? innovation and fixing things and American, making things like, more American like entrepreneurs. Uh, right. Now, he didn't find that he wasn't on it. He just wasn't listed. So who knows? He could have been. Maybe uh, they were besties and we just don't know yet. They could have been. They <laughs> also had, they, I mean, I also lied about um, the short plane crazy. That came out like in... After Steve uh, Willie. <laughs> you'll if you listen to this playback, you'll hear me giggling in the background. I wanted to call it so bad and I was like, never mind, I'll just let that go. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> oh, that would have been cute if he created a new plane cartoon while on the plane. Uh, so that was Oh my god, lot. I didn't even think of the timeline. <laughs> Definitely. Did they Oh my god, this is me so ignorant, but were they even flying yet? I don't think so. When Maybe Plane it was like Crazy the, came out like those small tiny other than those small the, uh, brothers. Bitty bitty planes. The Wright brothers? No, but they definitely had <laughs> The Wright brothers. Um, they had military planes. Because oh, of those, right. remember okay. those posters at the museum, history museum. But they weren't like Pan Amming yet, right? Not that that I was know later, of. like yeah. the 50s or 40s. Wow. I think so. Um, I yeah, didn't because even think of um, that. Darn it. Plane Crazy was like one of those old timey propeller planes, the Wright Brother plane. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so there's that. And then the airport. Okay, so that was everything about the plane that you missed. Okay. Now, for the airport, there were just a couple of things. Just a couple. I don't think you called out anything on the airport. Uh, so, oh, no, you did call out Eastern Airlines, but that was a uh, truth. I called out two things that were correct. Yeah, Eastern Airlines was true. And the music on the runway <laughs> was true. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, okay, so 
what was not true at the airport. They did. There are no stories at all of clearing out alligators from the runway. Oh, that's definitely believable. <laughs> it was a pretty like demolished area of like swamp and stuff that they did for that. Um, and then Saratoga Springs Treehouses is in a completely different area of oh. the resort. And I don't know. The, the runway is probably still what we're thinking. It's like just run down and hidden there somewhere. In I the feel like I've even swamp. seen it. But I might have just seen pictures of it or something. Yeah, like I can imagine like an aerial photo from like mid 2000s. Yeah, I feel like it's in between like those giant highway roads and then they have like or on the side of them and have like a big dirt run that used to be a landing thing. But maybe I'm tripping. Yeah. And if nobody uh, maintains it, it just the. Yeah, it's like overgrown. Swampland will take it back over and gators maybe. We'll be there now. The, now they're on there, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I hope that was fun. We both learned things about the plane and the airport that we didn't know before. Um, I am so excited to go look up that weird, creepy video you played. <laughs> I want to watch that. I want to read more about the musical high. Like, what? Mind blown. <laughs> Very cool. Thanks, Emma, for that suggestion. That was super fun. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well... We've had a lot of stuff on this episode so far of things to be thankful for. And I want to, of course, wish everyone a very happy Thanksgiving this week. And I thought I'd start in with thanking some very special people to us. Our Patreon members. A big thank you to our patrons. Like, we think about you all the time. Even if you don't know it, we're chatting about you, talking about you, figuring out what else we could do with you, um, how we can include you on the podcast. Like Things like these takeovers have been so much fun. Look at how much we just learned about the plane from Emma. So thank <laughs> right? you. Huge thank you. A big Thanksgiving piece of gratitude to our patrons. Woo! Woo! Yes. And why don't, we, why don't we give them all shout outs? Let's do it. Thank you, Kayla. Thank you, Courtney, Joy, Scott. Kylie, Christina, Nick, and Andrew. Cherie, Emma, Jessica, Dawn. Pamela, Ned, Lisa, and Laura. Thank you all so much for your ongoing support. And I hope all of you have a lovely Thanksgiving. And speaking of Thanksgiving, we're going to move over to Thanksgiving in Disney parks. And I have... A little bit of a story time for you guys, and I'm going to quiz Mike on it as we go through this. So hang tight. Just a couple questions I'm going to ask you to lead the conversations. So my very first question for Disney in Disney or Thanksgiving in Disney parks is when do you think the first seasonal holiday parade at Disneyland happened? The first seasonal holiday parade at Disneyland happened in 1956, and it was a Christmas one. You are close, but they got started early and had their very first holiday parade in 1955. Darn, I was going to say that. We, we, <laughs> we mentioned that in an episode like hundreds of episodes ago, and that's why right. I was like, I know it was early, but wow, opening year? That's pretty cool. Opening year, only a few months after they opened, they are already rolling out the holiday parade, um, which is, I guess that makes sense. Like, they probably are going into, like, what the cities do, right? They have holiday parades in towns and whatnot. So, very cute. They've had a holiday parade every year since. So, every single year Disneyland has been open. Wow. They've had a holiday parade. Yep. And Did they this have one parade... in 2020? 
Ooh, Ouch. except for that, you got me. No, you did Shoot. say when it was open, though. When it was open, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this first parade actually launched on Thanksgiving Day. And it did have a little bit of a celebrating Thanksgiving in there, but also, of course, Christmas. And then later on, of course, they started including other holidays to celebrate in the same parade, which is really nice to see that inclusivity ramping up over the years. And um, so moving on from the parade, do you remember Big Thunder Ranch? I loved the food there at Disneyland, Big Thunder Ranch, and I also loved the Hunchback of Notre Dame show that they used to have Yes. There. So yes, I am r- familiar with it. Very cool. So can you remember anything about Big Thunder Ranch that made tie it I into do. Thanksgiving? I do. And Biden just recently did it, but they don't have it at Disneyland <laughs> anymore. And I think you're talking about when the American president pardons a turkey before Thanksgiving, it goes to live on Big Thunder Ranch, right? Or used to. That is right. I love that, that is fact. Right. That's a fun fact that when so it was fun. around, I love telling people that. Because it's unbelievable. It's like, no. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I remember learning it and being like, what? Exactly. I was like, fib. <laughs> yeah, I was like screaming totally at whoever told me fib. <laughs> um, so what year do you think the very first presidential pardoned turkey arrived at Disneyland? I'm going to guess 1983. And I have a follow-up question. Where does the turkey go now? Poor thing. So the first, I'll tell you about that in just a minute. So the first year was actually 2005. Oh, that's not that long. It's not that old of a tradition. (laughs) (laughs) Now, to follow up, when do you think the last year was? Wait, so that means it was President Obama was the first? Probably. Uh, George. Oh, W. Bush. George W. 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 And then Obama got to do it. Um, yeah. You said the last? When is the last one? Yes. Uh, shoot. When did that close? I would say 2015. 2009. So we've <laughs> only had presidential turkeys for five years. So only Disney two Parks. presidents ever done it. I thought this was going on since Nixon or something. <laughs> <laughs> so there so was some I. fibbing to the story I tell people. I, right. I... I <laughs> I totally thought it was like a long-standing tradition. I didn't realize it was just five years and like started for the 50th anniversary. They started rehoming them there. So whatever. (laughs) That kind of killed my enthusiasm on it because I was like, oh, I thought this was like an old school thing. But these turkeys were known as the happiest turkeys on earth. Go figure. And they lived in the petting zoo section of Big Thunder Ranch. So you could actually visit them there. And then, but before they arrived, you what'd could you say? Go, you could visit them, and then you could go back into Fantasyland and eat their leg. <laughs> you could not even. You could just go to the other side of Big Thunder Ranch for the all you can eat barbecue. Whoops! <laughs> Gross. <laughs> yeah, I never really thought of it that way. It's pretty dark. Um, I think about oh, all yeah, the, the time. Anytime I'm stop. like eating seafood in like an. Little mermaid themed area, anything like that. I'm always like, well, the character. Oh, no. I'm eating the character. <laughs> like, all right, we have There's to a lot of that on, guys. on the cruise ships. There's a lot of conflicting. Oh yeah, theming with menu items. <laughs> oh my goodness. So before these turkeys arrive to Disneyland, they had a couple stops before that. One was at the White House for the pardoning gathering. Cute. Then they flew on what they call the Turkey One, which is basically a flight that United has donated 
to just house the turkey and their handlers. So they get their Whoa. own private plane Whoa. all the way over to Disneyland. And um, then they get to the parks. And by the way, they have gone to both Disneyland and Disney World over those five years. So not oh. even all the five years we had them at <laughs> one park. They kind of hop back and forth, right? But when they get to whichever park it is they're traveling to, they then serve as the Grand Marshal of the Thanksgiving Day Parade. Oh, that's cool. They go down Main Street? Wow. They go down Main Street. They're on display on one of the floats. You can see the turkey. It is so funny. Now, I was just like getting in the head of this poor turkey. And like, can you just imagine one day you're just like frolicking around some farm and then you get picked up. You're all of a sudden at the freaking White House. There's people taking photos of you. There's press. There's people clapping. Then you're on a flight. Like, turkeys <laughs> can't even fly. And they're in an airplane flying across the country. And then you're in freaking Disneyland being paraded around on a float on Main Street full of people for the holidays. And the turkey is probably you're... thinking, oh, I can't wait to go back to the farm and tell all my friends. Yeah. Who are like now what a on our wild adventure that turkey just went on, yeah. and then they have to live in Big Thunder Ranch Petting Zoo, which is just overwhelming to think about. I, I'm trying to get imagining like, getting pulled out of my life and go through this. It's very. <laughs> it's either that or with some gravy and mashed potatoes. <laughs> exactly. At least they're pardoned and they are saved from the fork and knife for sure. Um. Also, one thing I forgot to mention is that the turkey that is being pardoned has such a big job, right? I just listed all the things they have to do that in case that turkey can't complete his duties, they have another alternate turkey. Oh. So they have two turkeys every year that get pardoned by the president. So everything that happens through these steps, there's two turkeys going along the adventure. I would like to be the backup turkey. So at least they have a friend. Because the backup turkey I would love gets to be to the backup turkey. All the stuff without all the work, right? <laughs> yep. They get to skip all the big things unless the other guy is not feeling it. So, But yes, they do get pardoned as a pair. And some of the ones that have made it to Disney parks are named because it's cute. Oh, they have names? 2000. Yeah, Aww. so in 2005, they were named Marshmallow and Yam, which is also a little dark. That's very dark. <laughs> now we're talking about Thanksgiving dinner again. 2006, they have Flyer and Fryer. Also, how is, rude. He can't fly, and you're calling him He flyer. can't fly, and why are we talking about the Fryer? Right? Don't want to talk about it. And turkeys get people's houses burnt down. Yeah. I hear about the news every year. <laughs> 2007, we switched it up a little bit. We have May and Flower. Thank you. All right, it's Thanksgiving. That makes sense. 2008, we have Pumpkin and Pecan. Oh, Mayflower. Like the pilgrim yeah, ship. Yeah, It took me a second. Okay, that's very cute. <laughs> what was the new one? And then one? 2000, sorry? What was the other one right after? Uh, pumpkin and Pecan. Very cute. Very cute. And then 2009, the last turkeys to... Uh, have residents at a Disney park where Courage and Carolina, which I don't get, but that's okay. There's got to be something, huh? <laughs> yeah. I was like trying to find out. I was like Google searching the two names together and it just wasn't pairing for me. So I don't know. But if anybody knows, let me know why Courage and Carolina go together. Also Flyer and Fryer. I don't really get that one either. <laughs> Besides rhyming. But anyways, so... For those of them that were sent to Big Thunder Ranch in Disneyland, guests could visit them and go right up to the little pen that they're held at. And there was a sign right there 
that read, The Happiest Turkeys on Earth. Each year at Thanksgiving, the President of the United States pardons the national turkey during an official White House ceremony. On November 22nd, 2005, so this is obviously for marshmallow and yam, <laughs> on November 22nd of 2005, President George W. Bush officially pardoned marshmallow and his alternate yam, both turkeys, then flew aboard the Turkey One to the happiest place on earth to become the happiest turkeys on earth. Or the happiest place on earth to become the happiest turkeys on earth. I can't even speak. Please welcome our new ranch residents. So they had their own little signage telling you all about it, which I thought was pretty cute. And then some of them were very friendly. They'd come right up to the gate. And some of them were like, I don't want to hide gobble, back here. Gobble, gobble, gobble. <laughs> gobble, gobble. Um, so speaking of these pardoned turkeys, I thought it would be fun to hear straight from President Obama <gasps> as he pardons one of the lovely turkeys, which was Courage in Carolina. Uh, but Courage was the main on-point turkey of the day. Um, and they're going to send them off to Disneyland. So let's hear it, Obama. All right. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Welcome to the White House. On behalf of Sasha and Malia and myself, uh, we're thrilled to see you. I want to thank uh, Walter Pelletier, chairman of the National Turkey Federation, and Joel Brandenberger, its president, for donating this year's turkey. His name is Courage. He traveled here from Goldsboro, North Carolina, where he was raised under Walter's own precious care. There you go. <laughs> Walter. Now, the National Turkey Federation has been bringing its finest turkeys to the White House for more than 50 years. I'm told President Eisenhower and Johnson actually ate their turkeys. You can't fault them for that. That's a good-looking bird. <laughs> President Kennedy was even given a turkey with a sign around its neck that said, Good eaten, Mr. President. But he showed mercy. And he said, Let's keep him going. And 20 years ago, this Thanksgiving, the first President Bush issued the first official presidential pardon for a turkey. Now, today I'm pleased to announce that thanks to the interventions of Malia and Sasha, because I was planning to eat this sucker, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> courage will also be spared this terrible and delicious fate. Uh, later today, he'll head to Disneyland, where he'll be Grand Marshal of tomorrow's parade. And just in case Courage can't fulfill his responsibilities, Walter brought along another turkey, Carolina, as an alternate, uh, the stand-in. You know, there are certain days uh, that remind me of why I ran for this office. And then there are moments like this, where I <laughs> pardon a turkey and send it to Disneyland. <laughs> oh, first of all, just to hear Obama speak, like you were talking about Iger earlier, it's that same, like... <laughs> It just feels good. I feel like a warm hug. I just saw Obama on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah the other day, and I was like, oh, I miss how he talks. And then we got Iger just like the next day, and I'm like, oh, my God, all these like people who just know how to speak well. Like, thank you so much. <laughs> that was such <laughs> a cool clip. Very excited for that. I was, uh, as I was listening to it, I was trying to think of the naming. And from what I'm hearing, they were raised in North Carolina, so that might explain one. And then Courage... Uh, 
you know, it's one of those generic America, but out of the bag words. So it could be <laughs> like it's an a, honor it's the America of our hat instead of soldiers. the Disney hat. Yeah. Like... In honor of our soldiers and veterans. But Carolina, that's probably North Carolina. But um, that is very so true. Freaking cute. And I like how he talks about like he not he knows like it doesn't need to be taken super seriously. It's just a yeah, fun little Yeah, he's like being silly about it. It's very cute. I, I watched a couple other pardons of turkeys. Um other presidents take it like more seriously sometimes some make jokes of it so it's an interesting thing altogether to hear and he did mention that president the original what was what he just was he just george bush then george there's george w who is uh the one and then george h is from the 90s but it sounds like obama misspoke because he said the first george bush no that is true so he was the first one to officially pardon but george w bush was the first one that pardoned a turkey that went to disneyland i just wanted to clear that oh interesting okay so like we didn't even pardon turkeys until the first george bush was in office so america america was pardoning turkeys before they decided to house it at disneyland yes Got it. Oh, yes. now that makes sense. I'm like, Barry, you got that wrong. I already know that it was right. George no, W. Right, no, so they've been partying turkeys for a while, and they still do. They just send them to, like, a farm or some other place to live the rest of their life. Aww. So we're still getting pardoned turkeys. They're just not getting to go to Disneyland after. I feel like there could be a an animated or stop-motion movie about this or something. Right. <laughs> like, the turkeys, like, it how do you get selected? What happens to the people left behind? How fun is that traveling experience at Disneyland? Like when you were talking about right. you being in the mind of the turkey, I, I was watching a movie. I was like, okay, I could see this. It's like a whirlwind, <laughs> like those montages or something where it's like real fast and it's all of a sudden it's new life, right? And then the survivor's um, guilt, all your friends and family <laughs> that you left behind to get, they're oh, going to get eaten. Oh no, this is getting dark. Stop. Yeah. That's all I was thinking about. <laughs> Like, what is he going to do with his people back home? They're all dead. We're eating him. <laughs> Anyways, could be a good movie. Could be. Could be. <laughs> all right. So that is the story of the pardoned turkeys that lived in Disney parks. But I also thought it would be fun to take it outside of the parks for just a few. And this time we're going to head to NYC, New York City. Um, so, Mike, what special event goes on in New York City every Thanksgiving? The Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade is very that popular. That is right. And if you have not seen or attended the Macy's Day Parade, it is basically a Thanksgiving tradition since 1924, where the parade goes down in the streets of Manhattan with these giant oversized balloons. Um, they also have added things over the years like floats. They have bands, performers, and, of course, celebrities. So you get to see a whole show every Thanksgiving morning for the Macy's Day Parade. Now, what year do you think Disney first had a balloon in the Macy's Day Parade? I think they first had a balloon in 1985. Whoa! Okay, way before that. Oh, okay. Way before that. Like 50 years before, 51 years before that, 1934 Shit. was the first balloon. So even way back then, I was going to think that it was going to happen after Snow White, but it was before Snow White even. So the main attraction for the Disney section was a 40-foot tall balloon of Mickey Mouse. Appropriate. Which is yeah. handled by 25 people dressed as Mickey and Minnie. And this was 1934 costumes. So it was terrifying. Oh, those scary ones. <laughs> yeah. 
Now, uh, you know what's so funny, full circle irony, is that now those are there looking like that in Times Square, and they're fake. Oh, right, right. <laughs> That's so Making, weird. like, tips. Yeah. Um, they also had other balloons, like uh, characters such as Pluto, Horace Horse Collar had one. Cute. Uh, the Three Little Pigs and Whoa. The Big Bad Wolf. Wow. So that was the big debut in the Macy's Day Parade. Uh, over the years, you'll see other balloons make appearances like Donald Duck in 1935. Um, Ferdinand, Ferdinand the Bull had a balloon in 1938. What? Right? It kind of feels like random, but I guess that was a big deal at the time. That was their IP. They didn't have much. Yeah, yet. right? <laughs> it's like, all right, Ferdinand the Bull, we got to pr- uh, promote it. Um, 1962, they added a birthday cake for celebrating Mickey's 40th birthday. Wow. Very cute. Uh, 1969, they added floats to the parade, and then they had a float of a pirate ship themed after Peter Pan. What? And a float themed for the Aristocats. This is really cool. I, I should have always... done it according to Jen Diz for you this You should have, because <laughs> I only think of Macy's Parade. I think of, like... Snoopy and Charlie Brown. I, for some reason, don't think of Disney. They had a lot. Wow. They had a lot. And that was only up to the 60s, right? So now in 1971, they had a Cinderella Castle float added nice. for the grand opening of Disney World, right? Um, and then some more over the years was a balloon of Santa Goofy, Buzz Lightyear, band leader Mickey, Olaf had a balloon, and even Chicken Little had his own balloon. <laughs> Okay, I I remember Olaf. I can picture Buzz Lightyear. And I bet you that Chicken Little Balloon was the same one they brought over to DCA. Do you remember it was over the... Was it Disney Springs? No, at DCA, it was like hovering over the sign that whole year that the movie came out. What the heck? No, Do you remember? It was this big inflatable Chicken Little. It was like over Hollywood land, but you could see it from the Esplanade. Oh, that reminds me. There was some parade where they had a bunch of blow-up balloon things at Disneyland. Interesting. It was like the 35th anniversary parade or something like that. I mean, if you still it. have it, you might as well reuse it. Which is I know, day, right? One day's Good use. Good point. They have, um, we're talking about their competitors for a second, Universal Studios. They do the Macy's Day holiday parade. So it's sponsored by Macy's, and it looks like a mini version of what you see in New York City. I didn't even know they had that. It's yeah. <laughs> really cool. I, I watched it, and it happens uh, from Thanksgiving through Christmas. It's like they're part of their holiday uh, festivities. And I thought it was going to be corny at first, and then I watched it. What I found most entertaining, um, and not in a bad way, was watching the handlers. There's like dozens of people <laughs> with a stick and a string holding these giant balloons. And I've never been up close at the New York City one. So I haven't really seen it in person like that. And I highly recommend that. Like if you like the Macy's Parade on TV or in person, check out the Universal one. It is very cool. And it's Universal, so it's easy to get a spot. You don't have to wait for hours. My God, I love it. It's like operations brain again. I remember when yeah. I saw the Muppets, all I could, I, I was just so focused on the puppeteers. Like, <laughs> I was like so right? fascinated by them. It's so cool, that stuff. So cool. So the most recent addition was in 2021 to the parade, and that was a balloon of our new favorite Jedi. Grogu got one? Yeah, yep, <gasps> Grogu got his own balloon oh last God, year. Oh, remember that? That's so cute. Yep. And then they also had a float based on the new Disney Cruise Line, The Wish. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Corporate synergy at its finest. 
Right? <laughs> that is pretty cool. I um, have never been to it in person. I sometimes don't wake up early enough to watch it. So, but it is like oh, a yeah, tradition. Oh, yeah, because it's played live. Wait. Yeah, oh, you I think just get up late because they, they show it here and I'll still be able to see it live. <laughs> what but time it's is early it like here. 10, I think like 10 a.m. here. Yeah, it's pretty early. And then in California, it's like it's while you're cooking, I guess you could watch it. Yeah, Um, I remember always like showing up to my family's house, and it's already on. Yeah, like that's kind of how I have memories of that. Like in the background, and then sometimes there's like football on, barf. Yeah, Uh, that too. For sure. If you live in New York City or can make it over here, people, including my cousin, shout out to Risk, they go over to the certain area of Central Park. Uh, in the wee hours, the night before, early in the morning, and you just watch them blow up all the balloons. How you go cute! Home. That's actually very cute. I kind of would rather do that than, yeah, than, you know, than the crowds like of, of uh, Herald Square and all that. Very I've actually neat. been to a Macy's Day Parade once when I was very young, and I wonder if I remember there's a ton of photos from it. I wonder if I can dig them up and see if there's <sighs> any of me posing with like a Disney balloon. That would <laughs> That'd be, be cool. so cool to tie that all together. But yeah, so that's the history of Thanksgiving in and outside of the parks for Disney. So kind of fun, feeling the holidays. Um, And with that said, we also reached out to all of you via Instagram to hear what you have to say for Thanksgiving. What are you thankful for? Do you have any dedications, anyone special, anything special that you want to comment on? for Thanksgiving and we had some entries so should we go through them we do so let's hear what these uh, responses dedications are so let's start out with friend of the show Andrew Taylor Oliver on Instagram Uh, he says I'm thankful for my boyfriend Evan and that he was able to get a magic key so we got a, a double gratitude in there I love that that's so cool congratulations on getting that magic key that was so exciting that was when they reopened the thing. So you yeah. get to see that work really well for somebody. <laughs> got it. Quick. Got it in real quick. That's good. Uh, then we have a couple from JLass33. Shout out to Jen and Mike for bringing the good vibes every week. You are awesome peeps. Oh, thank you. And it was really thank fun meeting you, you at uh, D23 Expo Disneyland Hangouts. Um, really appreciate that. Then we have many thanks to Lisa a.k.a. Happiest Vegan on Earth, for taking the homework out of happy snacking. Love, I love that. that. Love that when said listeners, so well. That should be show. her tagline. It should right? be. And, uh, yeah, you definitely have to follow Lisa. She has a lot of good posts and content, and the food always looks good. And my husband's vegan, so I'm always telling Jerry, like, look at this stuff that she's posting. <laughs> it looks so good. Uh, we have a shout-out from Honeycomb M. I'm grateful for my amazing friend, Tara, who embodies everything a great friend could be. Heart Aww. emoji. That is very sweet. Very sweet. Hey, Tara. Okay, so Hi, we Tara. have uh, Angelina TB13 on Instagram says, I'm thankful for my kids. They indulge me in my life to be a Disney adult. I love that. That is just like so perfect for the Disneyholic show, right? I mean... Yeah, you don't often hear it that way. Usually it's the other way where, like, the adult is influencing the child. But now we're hearing the child, like, helping out the parents, right? Yeah, the kid's like, fine, if you want to go to Disney, I guess I'll go with you. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Uh, We have Girl Brains says, I'm thankful for Disney and true crime. Okay, that's a good (laughs) combo. Very much your 
your combo of interests. That is my combo. However, saying I'm thankful to, for true crime is a is a complicated response, right? <laughs> yes, we could we could embellish and we'll say. Uh, Girl Brains is thankful for the true crime documentaries and extensive research that goes behind these programs. Yes, around these horrible things that happen without <laughs> our control. Not the crimes <laughs> itself. But I don't know. I'm speaking for myself. But um, I do have a lot in common with her, for sure. <laughs> um, all right. So we also have some coming in from, or we have one coming in from Nick on Hudson. And he said, I am thankful for Bob Iger, who has rightfully taken his seat back on the throne. All right. I got, a, I got a bone to pick here with Nick on Hudson. First of all, Nick uh, changed his Instagram name. It used to be second start of the ride. <laughs> so I'm confused. And third of all, we had another poll not too long ago where he, he said, um, like, I think it was actually, what is your most unpopular Disney opinion. And he said that Bob Chapek is fine and he sees no problem with him. So Ooh, there you go. I'm calling you out right now. Called out, Nick. <laughs> happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> happy Thanksgiving. But yes, we all are so happy, if you can't tell yet, yes. after this episode, that I go back. Right. Uh, another one came in from Natty Shea. She said, I'm thankful for you guys. Thank you very much. Aww. You keep me laughing and learning each week. Thank you, and thank you Very for listening nice. to us. Appreciate it. Yes, thank you. And we just spoke about Girl Brains. She actually wrote in another one. She said, that Chapek is gone and Iger is back. It's a theme. I love, I love it. it. I love how love it. people are trying to get these last-minute uh, thank you shout-outs out once they heard about the news. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell when the news shifted by our responses, right? Speaking of, Stephanie Marie B. said, Bob Paycheck being gone in wow. all caps. Hilarious. Uh, we have E-Ticket 55 said, my wife, Jennifer, thanks for taking care of us and getting us back to Disneyland. Oh, that's so nice. So sweet. And we have one here from an Evan Kalatayud. Sorry if I didn't pronounce that correctly. He said, I'm thankful for my incredible boyfriend, Andrew Oliver, who converted me into a Disney-holic. Wow. Okay, first of all, that is so cute that they both so sent each cute. other one, and they didn't know it, probably. So <laughs> cute. I love it. And they are And I adorable. love that Andrew so successfully converted him into a Disney-holic. He got a magic key now. We've seen the full story just coming through these responses. I love it. So cool. And last but certainly not least, we have one from Stephanie, Disneyland Attic, 1955. And she says, I am forever grateful for the timelessness of Disney magic, whether it be the nostalgia of riding Dumbo for the millionth time or the overwhelming emotion every time Mickey says some kind of imagination in Fantasmic or the sights, sounds, and smells of Main Street, USA. I cannot think of anything I treasure more. I am also forever thankful for all the hard work that Jen and Mike put into the Disney Hogs community and for sharing a piece of their lives with us so we know we aren't alone on this magical and fantastical journey. Isn't that so cute? Oh my goodness. Thank you, Steph. That's so amazing. <sighs> and, and Chills. It's, it's stories like that that I think the executive team at the company, they need to hear that. They need to hear from Stephanie about right. the specific, Stephanie, write letters. The specific <laughs> things. Like as she said that line about Mickey's phantasmic closing line, like I, I can hear it and imagine it and picture it. Like that is such a moment and it's so right. specific. 
I love that. Thank you, Stephanie, so much. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone who have listened to our show, have written us on Instagram, any type of communication, engagement. We love you guys so much. And I hope you all have a very lovely Thanksgiving. Um, so on this episode, we did a whole lot. We're at like almost two hours again, which we always <laughs> do. I love it so much. Um, but we went over the news at Disney, including the new CEO, Bob Iger, in the house. Um, what's other things going on in the park we talked about. We also redesigned D23 as a whole, both the membership and the expo. Then we went on a journey of the history of Walt's plan according to Mike TV, and I'm still mind blown, still mind blown. <laughs> um, and then, of course, journeyed down all of the Thanksgiving history in and outside of the parks with Disney. So, Woo! Wow. Big old episode. Very good episode. Well, thank you all for listening. We are so grateful for you. We hope you enjoyed episode 112 of the Disney Holics Show. Follow us on social media at the Disney Holics. And if you want to get in touch, send us a message on Instagram or you can email us at fanmail at the Disneyholics.com. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Turkey Federation legislation Says presidential pardons on its way And with help from Disney Aviation Duncan's gonna fly them here today They're taking the turkeys to Disney And fly through the clouds in the sky They're on an extended vacation Now that they won't have to die The big thunder wrench will be waiting And all of their Disneyland friends Will teach them to sing It's a Small World Now they're singing again and again Disneyland.